Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us this morning to gather together. And Lord, we don't take this lightly. We want to hear from you, God. We have taken this time and we've gathered together in this place. Father, we've gathered together for your word to be spoken into our hearts, Lord, our word to be spoken into our lives, that it would ultimately change us into what it is, Father, that you need us to be, and that is like your son, Jesus Christ. So we ask for your anointing. Father, may it open our ears and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen and amen. So five different callings. We are moving through them one at a time. First one is you are called to be loved. God made you to love on you. Amen? He made you to love on you. The second calling is you're called to belong. God has this amazing family. Family's got a few weird uncles in it, but... It's a, nevertheless an amazing family, and he's called you to belong to it, belong to the, to the family of God, to the body of Christ. And last week, we looked at our third calling, and he's called us to become. God wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature. He wants us to become because he wants us to be like his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And so our fourth calling this morning is this. You are called to bless. We're all called to bless other people, all called to bless other people. So you say, well, pastor, how in the world do I bless others? Well, it's pretty easy whenever you look at it biblically, you bless other people by serving a need in their lives. You can serve them physically, you can serve them emotionally, you can serve them financially, and the list just goes on and on and on. The Bible tells us if we've given somebody a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, that we've served them, we've blessed them, and we get a reward for it. So whenever you and I serve one another, the Bible actually tells us that we are blessing them. So the fourth purpose in our life is God has shaped me to serve, to serve him by serving others. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You, as I've said a couple of times before, you're God's masterpiece. He thought you up. Think about this. He thought you up. He dreamed the very idea of you, and now you exist. You're his masterpiece. You're his work of art. You are very unique, and I don't say that in a bad way. There's nobody else in the world like you. You are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now, the good works that he has called you to do are service. It's your ministry. It's the way that we choose to help other people. You weren't made to just take up space here on earth. That was my favorite subject in school, space. <laughs> I took up space. Some of you, have your wife explain it to you. We weren't made just to take up space. We weren't made just to breathe. And we weren't made to live a self-centered life. I can't, I can't stress to you enough how our world is slowly but surely turning to be a self-centered world. I'm, I'm just telling you. I mean, years ago, there was no such thing as a selfie. Come on. I mean, we're all just involved in what we can have done for ourselves. We have a whole campaign of advertisements out there that tell us that we should have it our way. Are you all there? I tell you that none of that coincides with the way the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that we should be serving one another. Amen? So God put you here 
to make a contribution with your life. It's called ministry. Another word for blessing and service is ministry. You were made for ministry. We got to, we, folks, really what this life is all about, it's just a, a practice run for eternity. If you think that we're going to get up in heaven and we're all going to be playing harps, I don't like the harp anyway. I think we're going to be playing harps. I guess if you're from the South, maybe it's a banjo or something. But if you think that's all we're going to do and float around on a cloud, you are sadly mistaken. Whenever we get to heaven, we are going to be serving one another. We're going to be serving and ministering in heaven. Thank you. That was, an, that was a weird silence. So what we're doing here on earth is we're practicing up for. We're practicing for eternity. The word servant and the word minister really are the same word in the Bible whenever you look at the original language. The fact is that all of us in this room are ministers. And you go, well, no, you and Clinton, you guys are the ones with the credentials. Folks, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm a minister. But before I was a pastor, I was a minister. Amen. We're not all pastors. As a a pastor's job, it's my job to administer the ministers. It's my job to to help all of us as ministers accomplish the job that God has called us to. So if anybody ever asks you, how many ministers do you have in your church? Because whenever I was working for some of the large churches, it was kind of, you know, I don't know, bragging rights, if you would. How many ministers do you have in your church? Oh, we got 12, 14, 21. I don't know. Folks, we got that whipped right here in this church because every one of you in this sanctuary, every one of you that are listening online, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are a minister. Amen? A minister. You may not carry a card around in your wallet that says that you're a minister, but I'm telling you, God has already ordained you to be a minister. Amen? Amen. So my life's calling is to be bivocational a bivocational minister of Jesus Christ. You go, what are you talking about, Pastor? Some of you in this room are familiar with this little thing that you put on your face called bifocals. You understand what bifocals are? I don't wear bifocals. I do have the need for uh, reading glasses occasionally, but with my sermon, I just print it bigger and bigger and bigger every year. So I can only get three or four lines on one page. But nevertheless, bifocals are made so that you can see clearly up close and you can see clearly out there in the distance. No matter what, what you do with bifocals, you can see clearly. As a bivocational minister, understand this. No matter what you do, you do it for two reasons. You meet the needs of others, bivocational, and in meeting the needs of others, you honor God. Amen? Folks, whenever we reach out and bless somebody, whenever we reach out and minister to somebody, we're not only helping them, but we are honoring God with our lives. Everything that I do in life, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I am bivocational. I have a job, and in that job, I do it so that I can help others and I can honor God. A lot of times we get all bogged down and we think, well, the reason I got to work is so that I can keep a roof over your head, young man, and keep food in your belly, young man, and keep clothes on your back, young lady. Folks, I got to tell you, we're missing the boat if that's what we think. We have jobs so that we can minister to people, amen, so that God can give us the resources so we can be a blessing to those that are part of our lives, even sometimes those that aren't part of our lives. We have jobs so that we can Bless others, and we can honor God. In Colossians 3.17, this is what it says. And whatever you do, whatever you do, 
whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, Father, through him. Whatever we do, do it all, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever you and I do, it can be a ministry. It can be a blessing if we honor God and we help others. How many of you have ever had to do like a menial task? See, I fold the laundry, and I'm just going to tell you, I hate to fold the laundry. I hate it. I don't ever run into the washroom and go, oh, goody, the dryer stopped. I can fold it now. I don't ever do that. I don't like to fold the laundry, okay? But nevertheless, I go in there, I fold the laundry. I do all the hanging and folding and so on and so forth. I don't like it. But listen to this. Even a menial task can become a meaningful task whenever I do it out of love for God. Amen? You ever been to that place whenever you just were fed up with your job? I don't like my boss. I don't like my job. I don't like the way he dresses. I don't like the way he talks. I hate everything about my job. There you go. (laughs) He seconded that motion. He doesn't have a job, but he knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) That was perfect. I got to that one place one time, God had called me into the ministry, and I really wanted to go into full-time ministry, but I was still working in a potash mine, 1,250 feet underground. Every day I'd get filthy, nasty, dirty, working on things that people had broken, and I just thought people were stupid, and I thought my boss was stupid. I thought my job was stupid. I thought everything was just, I just didn't like any of it. And I was praying one time. I said, oh, God, I want to go to the ministry. Do you see me in the ministry? God, please help me in the ministry. And he told me, he said, until you love your job, he said, I'm never going to put you in the ministry. And I said, well, I ain't never going to love my job. He said, well, then you're never going in the ministry. And I said, how do I love my job? My boss is so stupid. And he said, go out there and do that job unto me. And I started doing it. I started going out there and I said, God, I'm going to crawl into this machine. I'm going to get a hydraulic air on my hair, my ears. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it unto you. And I started. And for the first six or eight weeks, it did not work. I'm promising you that. But after a little while, I finally got it in my thick skull. I wasn't doing this for any other reason but to bless people and honor God. And all of a sudden, my job became very tolerable because why? I was doing it unto somebody that had already given his life for me. Everything in your life can become significant if you do it unto Jesus Christ. The fact is the calling to salvation And the calling to service is the same. So whenever you become a believer, you weren't just called to be saved. You're called now to be a servant of the Most High God. You're saved to serve. That's pretty much where we're at. You've had that John chapter 3 experience. We need to understand that. We're saved so that we can serve. You're called to serve, to make a difference. So often people go through their lives and they never, they never really make a difference. And God has called us to make a difference with our life. As I said, every member is a minister and everybody has a ministry. We're all created differently. And so, so many of us in this room, there's some in this room that says, I can never work with children. There's some in this room that say, I can never work with youth. However, there are people in this room that they've been called to work with children. Amen? They've been called to work with youth. All of us have different varying ministries, but nevertheless, we're all ministers. 
Everybody is called to be a, a minister. In Galatians 1, verse 15, it says, God in his grace chose, chose me even before I was born and called me to serve him. Even before I was born, he called me to serve him. So this is the fourth purpose of our life. This is the fourth calling of our life. You're called to serve. You're shaped to serve. You're, you're made for ministry. You're called to bless. So I'm going to share four what I call very incredible benefits that happen in your life whenever you begin to change your focus from self to others. How many of y'all know there's certain benefits that come along with all the things that God gives us to do? Amen? He doesn't just give us jobs to do and say, well, I can't reward you for that. God has benefits that come along with serving people. Whenever you change the focus from, it's all about me, that wasn't so good. It's all about me. I did it my way. Whenever you change the focus from that, you know, it's not about me anymore, but it's about others. Whenever you change it from the things that I want most in life to the things that other people need in their lives, you see, all of a sudden, you start to serve other people and their benefits with that serving other people. What happens if you begin to use your life in this fourth calling Whenever I begin to stop thinking about me all the time and I start thinking about other people in my life, not thinking how I can ser be served, but how I can serve others, it brings these benefits. And so I'm going to go over them very quickly this morning. So it's basically this. What's going to happen if I begin to use my life to serve other people? What's going to happen if I begin to use my life to bless others? Well, the first, the first and very significant thing that's going to happen to you whenever you begin serving others unselfishly is this. It's going to create joy in your life. It's going to create joy in your life. And I got to tell you something. We need some joy. Amen? I'm going to tell you, I, even with mask on, we can tell whenever people are going around looking like they've been sucking on lemons. Seems like whenever we have mask on, it gives us the, uh, uh, if you would, the license just to be sourpusses wherever we go. I got to wear a mask. I ain't smiling at you. I'm going to stick my tongue out at you. Whenever I walk by, can't even see it, can you? I mean, seriously. I mean, how, when was the last time you were out in our community somewhere where you heard somebody really laughing from a belly? I can't even remember the last time. Let me ask you this. When was the last time at home you laughed from your belly? See, we need joy in our lives. But unfortunately, there's so many people that are looking for happiness or joy in all the wrong, all the wrong places. They're, they're thinking they're going to get uh, joy from possessions or positions or passions or pleasures or popularity. But, but folks, I got to tell you, joy is not found in status. It's not, sound, it's not found in how much salary you have. But I'll tell you where joy is found because the Bible tells us very clearly where it's found. It's found in service. Whenever you begin to reach out and bless people with your life, your life is going to be full of joy. There's two secrets of joy. First of all, get the focus off of yourself. That's where joy starts to come. It's quit focusing on yourself. 
Some of the saddest counseling sessions I've ever had in my life is whenever people are, you know, they've, they've been beaten down, things are not going right in their life, and they come into my office, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm a pastor, and so this is one of the things that, that happens, and I'm glad to be able to help people through it. But oftentimes, in listening to, you know, the sad story, the woe is me story, I come to this place where I say, listen, what are you doing for other people? Well, nothing. You know, my life is so bad. Folks, I got to tell you something. Your life never gets so bad that you can't do something for somebody else. Hello. That's a good place to say amen right there. And many times whenever they come in and I counsel with them and, and you know, they say, basically, I'm not serving anywhere. I, I write them a prescription. I say, listen, you need to go home and you need to serve somebody. I don't want you to serve your family. I want you to reach outside of your home, bake your neighbor some cookies, go over and mow their grass, rake some leaves for heaven's sake. Do something that blesses somebody else. Because folks, if you could get your focus off of yourself, if you can shift it from inward, it's all about me to outward, I'm going to tell you something. Joy just begins to come in. The first secret of joy is to get that focus off of yourself. The more you focus on you, the more miserable you're going to be. It's not by accident that the word miser and the word miserable comes from the same root word. Come on. You got to shift the focus from inward to outward. It's from all about me to it's all about serving others and serving God. God, it's our society, folks. I, I could go into this. I had a whole bunch of stuff put in here, but our society is obsessed with self. We're obsessed with self. We need to be counterculture. We need to be obsessed with other people. Not in a stalking kind of way. Okay, just thought I needed to clarify that. See, it's like this. The more you give your life away, the more joy you're going to have. And I don't know about you, but I can use some joy. I think one of my jobs as my, my wife's husband is to bring her joy. And so I pick on her and I, I tell the craziest jokes and do the stupidest stuff all the time because she needs to laugh. She, the Bible says laughter does good like a medicine. So I feel like that's my job. Caleb takes up a little bit of room in my house. He comes home, pesters his mom to death. But nevertheless, we're there to la make her laugh. Amen? We need that joy in our lives. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 2.17, it says, my life is being poured out as part of the sacrifice and service that I offer to God. For your faith, yet I am filled with joy, and I share that joy with all of you. So the Apostle Paul saying here, my life is being poured out as a sacrifice well, what does that get him? He says, I am filled with joy because I'm being poured out as a sacrifice. The most helpful people are the most happy people. You go, well, I don't understand. How could that be? Can I just tell you something? That's hardwired in us. God wired us that way. He, he wired you and I so as that whenever we give our life away, that's whenever joy flows in our hearts. Why? Because he wants us to be like him. He wants us to be like him. 
In Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5, it says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. Be filled with joy. The only way to get that joy is to buy you something new. Like new fishing boots. Instead of having to glue your old ones back together. And that means somebody to somebody in here. You know, to buy that car that you don't have to put the spray in there to make it smell new. You know what I'm saying? This baby's brand new. And I just drove it off the lot and it depreciated $12,000. Praise God. He's hardwired us to give our life away for joy, not to buy something new, not to have something new. The fourth purpose of our life is to give ourselves away. This is pretty blunt. That's Philippians 2.4, but man, it says it pretty much like it's... It says, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. (laughs) That's the Bible. So if you lack joy in your life, if you find yourself going around and, you know, your face is just perpetually in a frown, you're not happy right now, start serving. Start finding a place whenever you can volunteer to give part of your time and not get anything in return. That's really important. I'll volunteer if you'll pay me $10 an hour. you're not getting paid for it. You're not just giving your life away. There's there's nothing in your life that you are doing, saying on a weekly basis by which you're just doing it for the benefit of others. You're not getting anything for it. I'm just doing something for somebody else. If there's nothing in your life like that, then you're probably living a pretty selfish life, and God didn't put you on this planet just so that you could live and breathe and take up space. He put you here so that you could serve him. You got to give back. You got to make that contribution. You got to be unselfish. That's where the joy comes in. If you lack joy, this is simple. Start serving others. The second part of this is to use your gifts to help other people. Use your gifts to help other people. I've had folks help me before that were specialized in various areas of their lives. As a pastor of a church, I've seen people that have used their gifts and talents and abilities. I had a young lady one time that came to me, and we had a large children's ministry, and we had a a fairly large population of people who were facing challenges, disabilities in their life for one reason or another. We had a Sunday school teacher and his wife that uh, they had a Down syndrome daughter that was probably up into her mid-30s. And, and it, was a, it was a real challenge for them sometimes to attend church with this young lady. And so I had a lady approach me. She was a, a, a certified nurse, or a, I think she was a registered nurse. And she said, listen, God has put it on my heart to start a ministry to these people who face these challenges in our church. And And, you know, immediately I'm going, man, that would be such a blessing. Well, this lady had it all going on. She had it all going on. 
And she started this ministry and she began to populate every closet, every office, because for the most part, the ministry to these individuals had to be one-on-one. And so we couldn't put them in a large classroom. And so before very long, we had every nook and cranny of our building filled up with people who were giving their lives to minister to these folks that, that had these challenges in their lives. We had parents that had never before been able to just be in a church service and just be free for that you know hour and a half part without having to minister to their child. Now their child's being taken care of, listening and learning on a level that was appropriate for them. And these parents were, you know, so blessed by it. They, this lady used her gifts to help other people. And I'll tell you this, she was made by God to do that. She had a heart for it. She not only had a heart for those that had challenges, but she had a heart for the parents that had children that had these challenges. She was made for it. It wasn't very many years ago an Oscar award ceremony took place, and I don't hardly watch the Oscars, but I read about this. An Oscar-nominated person got up on the stage receiving the, or I guess they won, and They basically said this, I was made for this role, was made for it. And you know, honestly, I think that so many of us don't realize what it is that God has made us for. But you were made for a specific role in his kingdom, and you have to use those gifts that you have to help other people. It's really good whenever you get into that place where you you know that you're being used by God for what he created you to be used. It's a good feeling. You just go, man, I'm doing it. This is the way God wired me, amen? That's why I love to preach on Sunday mornings. That's why I love to preach anytime you get, you get me quiet. It's, it's not a good time. I wanna be preaching what God says in this word. It feels good to be doing what God's called me to do. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God, to others, God's many kinds of blessings. We bless others by using the skills and the abilities, by using our time, by using the talents. Whatever it is that we've got, we use it to help other people. We use it in service to other people. We use it to bless other people. And man, that brings about joy. That brings about joy. Whenever you're using what God's given you, it brings about joy. The second thing that I want to talk about this morning is serving others unselfishly will improve your relationships. Self-centeredness is the root of all relationship problems. Self-centeredness is the root of all relationship problems. One of the things that I do is uh, 
a young couple comes to me and wants to be married and I, I counsel them. It's just kind of a standard thing. There's a few that I haven't over the years for special circumstances, but normally I say you have to go through counseling. And one of the things that I like to do is get them separated, you know, the girl from the guy. And I say, okay, you know, what do you expect of your former, I mean, your fiance, what do you expect of your fiance? And, you know, give me all the expectations. And many times they say, well, I expect them to do this. I expect them to do that. I expect them to do this. I expect them to do that. And, uh, you know, they're very quick to know that, you know, we're going to go into this marriage and we're going to be 50, 50, 50, 50. That's what we're going to do. We're going to share 50, 50. It's going to do 50. I'm going to do 50. We're all going to do 50. We've got hundred percent. And I say, if you go into a marriage like that, I'll absolutely fail 100% miserably. And they go, well, what are you talking about? It's 50, 50. I said, mm -mm, it's got to be a hundred percent. You go into it, giving a hundred percent. You go into it, not expecting anything from your spouse. You go in it saying, I'm going to serve my spouse. And I'll tell you that if you go in saying, I'm going to give a hundred percent and I'm going to serve my spouse, no matter what my spouse does, I will tell you this, you will have a successful marriage. You go, well, what if they choose not to serve me and I'm serving them all the time? Then there is a there is a biblical law out there that says, give and it shall be given unto you. It's a law, just like gravity. You stand up on top of a ladder and you step off of it. Gravity, the law of gravity is going to pull you down, break both of your legs. Are you there? There's a law out there that says, give and it shall be given unto you. You start serving your spouse and they will serve you in return. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. Oh, it'll improve your relationship. Self-centeredness is the root of all relationship problems. I, I, I want what I want, and I want what I want right now. Anybody besides me ever been there? We've all been there. I want it my way. I, I, I want it my way, and I don't want it your way, and that causes conflict. You see, the more that you and I practice unselfishness, the better our relationships are going to be. Everybody benefits. Life is the lifelong task of learning how to be unselfish. The school of learning how to be a giver instead of a taker. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people that have never learned that. I, I, can, I just, can I just share something with you? There's a few things that I run into as a pastor that makes me want to vomit. First one is, whenever you skin a coyote, I'm telling you, man, I don't have a weak stomach, but whenever you skin a coyote, there is a smell that comes off of them whenever you skin them. Now, don't look at me like that, okay? But it just, I'm telling you, I just lose it. I just, I'll skin a little bit and go blah, and then I'll come back and skin a little bit and go blah. But my stomach's not a weak stomach. But I'll tell you something else that just, just, just like, just like that nasty, horrible smell that comes from a coyote whenever you skin them is this. It's people who have never learned to be unselfish. Come on. Sometimes as parents, I've heard parents do this. You know, I bought these snacks for myself and I don't want my kids to have them. If that's you, I just stomped on your foot. We hide them. We hide them because I don't want my kids to have them. Listen, if you don't want your kids to have them, don't buy them and eat it yourself because that's the epitome of being selfish. Come on. And I can just go on and on and on. 
Let's be quiet in here. Selfish people just turn my stomach. I'm telling you. If you ever see me throwing up out in the foyer, it's probably because I ran into either a coyote or, an uns- or a selfish person. The whole task of you and I's life, the reason that God put us here is to learn how to be unselfish. And you say, well, why is that? Because God is love and God wants us to learn to be like him. So how do you learn how to do it, pastor? How do you learn how to be unselfish? It's pretty easy. It's copy Jesus. (laughs) Just do the things Jesus did and you got it done. He was the one who lived the most unselfish life of any human that has ever walked this planet. Um, He's the one. Just copy him. In Matthew 20, 28, it says, Your attitude must be like my own, for I did not come to be served, but to serve. There's two benefits from serving people. He says whenever, whenever you take on the attitude of Jesus and you begin to live your life not for the benefit of yourself, but you begin to live your life for the benefit of others, to help others, to honor God, as I've said several times, you, you accept that bivocational minister role that 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 there's these two things that happen, these two incredible things that happen. One, you become more like Jesus. And I got to tell you something, every one of us could stand to be a little bit more like Jesus. Amen? Amen? Okay, let me rephrase that because I think it's, I think every one of us could stand to be a whole lot more like Jesus. There you go. I don't know if anybody's got that little bit. I just need a little bit and I'm going to be exactly like Jesus. I know it's not that way for me. Once... One is you become more like Jesus, and two, you're more loved, you're more respected, you're more popular. How many of you would like to be more loved and more respected? How would you like to be more popular for the right reasons? Not because you take selfies and put yourself on the internet. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, that's not any good. I'm not going to take selfies because I don't want to scare small children. Listen to this. One, you're going to be more like Jesus. Two, you're going to be more loved, more respected, more popular. See, if you, if you want to have more friends, learn to be a servant. If you, want to, if, you, if you want to learn to be more popular, learn to be a servant. If you want to be more loved, you need to be a servant. If you want to be more respected, you need to be a servant. Don't try to be interesting. Well, I'm just going to read up and I'm going to have comments on everybody's conversations because I'm going to know a lot about a lot of things. Don't be interesting, be interested in others. Listen to what it says here, a couple of scriptures for you to back up what I'm talking about. Romans 4, excuse me, Romans 14, verse 18. If you serve Christ in this way, you will please God and be respected by people. In Proverbs eleven twenty five 25, says the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. It's that sowing and reaping principle. Whatever seed that I sow, I'm going to get it back. But I don't get back a seed. You see, if you plant a seed, guess what happens? You, get, you don't get back just one more seed. You get back a whole bush full of seeds. Amen? Last year, I planted just a bunch of okra in my garden. Well, not last summer, but summer before last. And I let the okra grow out too much, and I harvested it whenever it was about that long. And from that one seed off that one stalk, and I'd already eaten a lot of okra off of it, I've got seeds coming out my ears. Are y'all there? 
By planting one seed, you don't get back just one seed. You get tons of seeds back. And whenever you start helping people, you get tons of help back. You get more than you bargain for. Blessing others is a blessing to yourself. They said, whenever people tell me that, you know, I really don't like to be involved. I, I really don't, you know, I, I'm too busy to be in ser- service, Pastor. I don't have time. I don't have any time to be really involved in volunteering anywhere, Pastor. I just don't, I, I'm just too busy, Pastor. You know, if we ever come up with that idea, then what we've done is we have forfeited God's blessing on us. And I got to tell you something. I want God's blessing on me. I want God's blessing on this church. I want God's blessing on your families. I want God's blessing on you. You see, the more that you give your life away, the more God blesses you. In Proverbs eleven seventeen, it says, you do yourself a favor when you are kind. In Proverbs 22, 9, it says, a generous man will himself be blessed. If you want better relationships in your life, start serving people. Third thing is this. We only got four, so this is number three. If you serve others unselfishly, it will, it will make your life meaningful. Meaning comes from living for something that's greater than yourself. That's where life comes from. Excuse me, that's where meaning comes from. If you're living for something that's greater than yourself, and again, we live in a culture today that is all about me. It's I, I, I. That's why so many people are aimlessly walking around. They have no meaning to their lives. You wonder where in the world that city after city gets all of these people that goes out in the streets and riots. I'm not talking about peaceful protests, but I'm talking about rioting. They have nothing to do. Their lives have no meaning. Because if they were serving others, I don't need to say any more, do I? That's the first big surprise that most people don't really get. The only way you find meaning in life is to give your life away. God wired the universe on this principle. Meaning doesn't come from money. If you think, well, if I just get enough money, then my life is going to have more meaning. No amount of money out there is ever going to give your life meaning. Meaning comes from ministry. It comes from giving. It comes from blessing others with your life. In Mark 8.35, it says, if you, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. Look at the last two words of that scripture, true life. True life comes from giving your life away. True life is that life that has meaning. See, whenever we know that true life is going to come whenever we start serving others unselfishly, it should change our attitude about service. Amen? I, I want my life to count. I, want my, I don't want to die. You know? I, I preached a funeral one time where it was me and the funeral director. That was it. It was a graveside service, but it was me and the funeral director. Are y'all there with me? There was nobody else at this man's funeral. Nobody. And I thought to myself, how can you go through your whole life 
and not have any more people at your service than two total strangers. Are you all there? Do you know why I was there? Because they paid me to be there. I'm, I'm just being strictly honest with you. You know why the funeral director was there? Because they paid him to be there. But I thought to myself, how in the world could somebody do that? Well, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you're going to lose it. If you give your life away, you're going to find your life. And you're going to find that true life that comes from giving your life away. Knowing this has to change our attitude on giving. 1 Corinthians 15.58, it says, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your work in the Lord is never wasted. That word fully literally means not half-hearted. You're all in. You're jumping into the deep end, and no matter how deep it is, you're going to jump in. Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your work is never wasted. That word wasted means empty. It means useless. It means without a purpose. If our lives are going to have purpose, we've got to be giving them to the Lord. Everything that you and I do for Jesus Christ has a purpose It may seem like it's insignificant. It might seem like it has no purpose, but I have to tell you this. No one else seems to know about it, but it's still important. Those things, whenever you do it incognito, you know, nobody knows. So fun to be a pastor a few times in my life. People would give me gifts for other people, but say, listen, I don't want you to tell anybody about this. I don't want you to tell them I gave it to them. One time it was $10,000 cash. It's awesome. I had no idea even who the people were that I was going to take this cash to, but somebody thought they had a desperate need. And so I went out and knocked on their door and sat down and I talked with them for a little bit and told them who I was. And and, uh, I said, you know, you have a need, I feel like, and somebody wanted to bless you. And and so they shared that need and certainly they had a need. So I gave them the $8,000 and they were really happy. And... uh, (laughs) It's not a place to laugh. Uh, That's called commission. (laughs) I got to tell you, though, it was so much fun to be that blessing. Does that make sense? So much fun to have your life mean something. If you want meaning in your life, you got to start serving. And that brings us to the fourth reason What's going to happen if I'm using my life to bless others? If I switch the focus from it's all about me to a focus of how many people can I bless today? How many people can I serve today? How can I honor God by helping others? It's going to create joy in my life. It's going to improve my relationships, and it's going to make my life meaningful. But this fourth thing is, it's going to leave a legacy. It's going to leave a legacy. All of us want to leave a mark, amen? And I'm not talking about with crayons on the wall. I mean, we all want to leave a mark with our, li- with our lives. Nobody wants to die and go, I have no idea what they did. They never touched my life, never. You know, one of those most special parts of funerals is whenever people stand up and talk about the deceased life being a blessing to them. 
That individual blessed me. That individual spoke into my life words. That individual blessed me whenever we didn't have a dime to our name. He came by and blessed me with groceries or whatever it was. Are you, all y'all, that's what blesses me as a pastor, to know that whoever's in that box or whoever's in that can, are y'all there, that their lives meant something. Their lives left a mark on this world. Amen. But you know, whenever you live unselfishly, you're going to leave two legacies. See, it's getting better. One on earth and one in eternity. The one on earth, it's, it's going to be there for a while, but it's not going to last very long because after about three generations, folks forget who you are. That's why I'm trying to make an indelible impression on my grandkids. I want them to remember me more than three generations. But folks, I'll be very honest with you. I don't know who my great, great, great grandfather was. I have no idea what they did, where they came from. I just have no idea. I barely know who my grandparents were. My great grandparents, I just, I, I don't have any idea who they were because I, I met them whenever I was like a year old. And I have very little memory from that meeting. Given enough time, all the trophies that you earned with your life are going to be thrown in the trash. All the things that you think are so awesome and cool right now, in two generations, nobody's even going to care. You may get your name on somebody's building somewhere, but nobody's going to even ask who that person was 100 years from now. So what? But the rewards that you get in eternity... They're going to go on and on and on forever. There was a song a few years ago saying about what it's going to be like whenever we get to heaven and we start to bump into people that we blessed here on this earth and they go, I'm here because of what you did. That's good. You know what I'm saying? I'm here because of something you did. I'm here because you gave in the missionary offering, and that missionary was sent to China because you gave. I'm here. That's good. That's good. It'll go on for eternity. For eternity, it'll be there. Two legacies. You'll leave here on one on earth. You live one in eternity. Proverbs 10, 7 says, good people will be remembered as a blessing. So the question is this, what are you going to be remembered for? What are you going to be remembered for? If you were to die tomorrow, what would people say about you? Would they say, oh man, that person was a real blessing? Are they going to say that, oh man, that person really lived for other people? That person really served? That people was really a sharing, caring person? That person was really generous? That person was really kind? They were always thinking about other people? Folks, I know people that are like that. I do. I know people that their whole life is thinking about other people. Or... If you die tomorrow, they're going to think, mm, that person, I'll be real honest with you, was really self-centered. They had their goals, and they only went after what they wanted. They didn't really care about anybody else. They just uh, wanted to take care of themselves. They really didn't even take real care of their wife and kids. They just lived their life for them, what they wanted to do. 
you know, that brings me to this place, man, it's just kind of scary in my own life. You know, what is it that I'm going to be known for whenever I'm no longer alive? Good people will be remembered as a blessing. I mean, I don't think I could go to one human being anywhere on this planet and ask them if they wanted their life to count for something that they would answer in the negative. No, I don't want my life to count for nothing, Pastor. I just, I just want to die and be done with it. I, don't want, I, I think everybody wants their life to count. I think, I think somewhere deep down inside of you want your life to have some kind of significance, some kind of meaning. You want your life to have a purpose. You, you want to do something great with your life. Everybody wants that, and there's nothing wrong with that, to do something great with your life. But you ought to want to do something great with your life for Jesus Christ. Do something in the kingdom. In Matthew 20, 26, it says, if you want to be great, you must be the servant of all the others. See, they were having this argument about who was going to be sitting right next to Jesus whenever he ascended to the throne. And uh, there was a couple of apostles or disciples at that time that really probably took it from their fellow disciples because they wanted to sit on either side. And Jesus basically said, listen, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you got to be the servant of everybody. The more you served, the greater you're going to become. Isn't that that's crazy. That's backwards. I mean, I, I've always wanted servants, like about a dozen of them. Get me some grapes. Vacuum that spot. Fold the laundry. <laughs> and we had them for a short time, but then they grew up. <laughs> and they weren't that good of servants whenever they were there anyway. But they were cheap. No, they weren't. Never mind. <laughs> I was thinking we didn't pay them anything, but good grief, they were expensive. The more you serve, the more you have influence. Mother Teresa went to the poorest of the poor, the most outcast of the outcast in Calcutta, India, to the people who were on the street and dying. Nobody has less influence than them. And she began to take the dying into her home and she cared for them. And she began to serve those who everybody else was trampling over. As she went to the least influential people in, in life, God gave her enormous influence around the world so that she could walk into Congress and everybody would listen. She could walk into the United Nations and everybody would listen. If you want to be great, you got to learn to be the servant of all. If you go on Amazon.com, you can find 500 leadership books, 500 leadership books that will teach you how to be a leader. And this is leadership in business. This is leadership in ministry. But I'm telling you, for every 500 books on Amazon that you can find about leadership, there's only one book about being a servant. The way you become great is by giving your life away. You might say, nobody's going to see all my secret acts of service, Pastor. And I say, there's only one person that needs to see them that's really going to count, and that's God himself. Yesterday, we had about 35 men at our men's breakfast. Hoo yeah. We had omelets, and they were good, man. I'm telling you, they were good. 
I had one that was a ginormous one, and it was good. But whenever the men's breakfast ended, what's so pleasing to me about our men is they just jumped up, started stacking chairs, rolling tables, cleaning up. I, I love to see people serve that, that are not even asked to serve. Are y'all there? Does that make sense? What I like most of all is whenever somebody serves and nobody's there to see them serving. They just do it. God sees you. In Hebrews 6.10, it says, God is fair. He will not forget the work you did and the love that you showed for him by helping his people, and he will remember that you are still helping them. Jesus makes this promise in John 12.26, my father will honor anyone who serves me. My father will honor anyone who serves me. Friends, that honor that Jesus Christ is talking about here, he'll honor anyone that serves him. That honor that, that God is going to bestow you, it's more important than if you won the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, think about that. If we had the Nobel Peace Prize winner here in our church, I'd brag about it to other pastors. I would. They'd say, well, we got somebody that can really sing. And I said, I have a Nobel Peace Prize winner in my church. <laughs> Top that. Trinity Church, Nobel Peace Prize. I'm sorry. The Nobel Peace Prize, Congressional Medal of Honor, uh, probably, I'm, I'm just guessing, but there probably is not going to be a winner of that at Trinity Church, amongst the pastoral staff especially. But you can <laughs> Oh, Jesus, help me in this. I just got, Jared, if you'll come and help me close, because I really, I need some help up here. I'm by myself and I'm stranded. <laughs> probably not going to win that prize. We're probably not going to have the Nobel Peace Prize hanging around our neck, a lot of cash in our bank. But I'll tell you this, the best prize that you can win is the honor of the Father that sits on his throne in heaven as we serve for Jesus Christ. That's, that's better than the Nobel Peace Prize. Nobel Peace Prize. That's better. I should be bragging about that. I shouldn't be bragging about Nobel Peace Prizes. I should be bragging. I, I've got a church full of servants. I've got a church full of men and women and young people that what is on their heart right now is to serve, to serve, to serve, to serve. They want to serve. I've got a church full of servants. Man, that would be an awesome thing to be able to brag about. And I would. Jared, if you'll come, help me close this now for sure, for, for reals. You see, if you want to leave a legacy, then you need to start serving. You need to start serving unselfishly. You need to start doing with your life that, that you don't get something back for it. You've heard me say before that the greatest use of a life is to invest it in that which outlasts it. That's the greatest use of a life, is to invest it in that that outlasts it. You've got three choices with your life. Every one of us in this room, we've got these three choices. We've, we, we can spend our life. And believe me, I've done a lot of spending. I've spent my life in a lot of different places. 
You can waste your life. Man, has anybody besides me ever wasted part of your life? Yeah, I've been there. But this third one is where God's calling us to. We can spend it, we can waste it, or we can invest it. And see, what I'm focusing on right now that's going to be better than anything that you can invest in the stock market or bonds or whatever it is out there that you can invest your, your life in. Because see, whenever you take your money and you invest it in the stock market, you realize you're investing your life. Because those dollars equal hours that you spent of your life. The best place that you can invest your life in right now is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The best use of your life is to invest it in that which outlasts it. There's only two things that are going to last in this world. You can look around and you go, man, I, I hope this church makes it. It's not. This building's going to be gone one of these days. There's, there's going to be absolutely no evidence that this church ever existed on this planet. Ever existed. That family ministry building over there, it's, it's going to be gone completely. These brand new pews that we upholstered are going to be, they're going to be gone. Where I carved my name, oh, I can't tell you that. It's going to be gone. But there's going to be two things that are going to last forever. They're going to last forever. The word of God, it's going to last forever. It supersedes everything. And people, we're going to last forever. Those individuals that made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to last forever. So if you build your life on the word and you build your life on people, then you're building, on your, building your life on things that are going to last. You see, it all boils down to this this morning and I just need to make it simple. The calling that God has placed on our lives is to be about other people's business, not our own. Not our own. Be about other people's business and God takes care of you to be a blessing, to be a servant, to be a minister that God has called us to be. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And I thank you for this word, Lord. There is so much power in this word, Lord. And Father, I'm so thankful that we've got a church full of people that understand exactly what's being said this morning, that understands they need to be a servant. They understand that they need to carry that heart with them, Father God, that they've been called to serve others, not themselves. Father, they understand that they're going to be serving folks and no one else is even going to see them serving folks. They're going to be a blessing to others. And God, this is what I know. You will honor those who serve. You will honor them, Lord. And that honor goes beyond anything that we can comprehend this day because eye has not seen, ear has not heard of the things that you have prepared for us, Lord, those that love you, Lord. And so this morning, Lord, my cry is this. Help us to be servants. Help us to give our lives for the benefit of others. Help us to be bivocational. And Father, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So my challenge to you today is this. 
You see the service projects that are in your small groups, the service projects. See, that's all about serving someone else. But my challenge is this. Be more than a servant in your small group. Go home and serve your family. Dads, serve your, serve your wife and serve your kids. Moms, serve your husbands. Serve your kids. And then once you start serving in your family, get good at serving all the people around you. Be a servant where you work. Be a servant where you play. And I'll tell you this, God will honor what you do. And it's a powerful thing to serve your life, to give your life as a servant. Amen. God bless you folks. Love on one another as you go.